0: Rick's, 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 Rick's. Welcome back. This is part two of our session with Andrew Moss and Dr. Edgar Johnson.
1: Tonight we'll be talking about... Uh, visual aids, maps, miniatures, other props at the table, all of that stuff, and how we use it in, in, our, in our games. If we don't use it, why not? Um, what's wrong with us? The depths to which we go just to uh, create immersion at our tables. Dr. Johnson, would you like to get us started off with a couple of ideas, ways you might use that stuff at the table?
2: All right, so I, I normally try to have things uh, well prepared. I like to draw my maps in advance. I like to, to, to know where things are. I like to be able to show people where things are. But in some games that I've run in recently, and I think uh, that Kovacs guy has been part of the problem. He can draw. I can't draw. But he showed me that a minimalist platform like uh, like uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Uh, scoot and doodle. Scoot and doodle yeah. on the on on the Hangouts app is sufficient to to run a game. Yeah. And so I've been running that for my for my hangout sessions, and I've been using a, a battle map and or battle mat and some uh, dry erase markers for the other ones that I run. I've been thinking real hard about bringing some minis to the game because I was in on that Reaper mini thing, you know, a couple of years ago, and got so many minis that I will never ever use them all, and I should probably start using some of them, uh, but I keep forgetting to bring them. And somehow it keeps working out because I think most people have enough imagination that if you give them something gestural, they can extrapolate from that and fill it in.
1: I would agree. (laughs) I would say in a lot of ways, I think kind of uh, when we went to that third edition era of, well, precise positioning and this has to be there. We have to know how many, you know, five foot squares away. These things are, I think we actually kind of lost something because everything became very precise. Now, uh, I I love using minis. I love using maps. Uh, but I think when we get down to like uber tactical, you know, stuff, that is I think better suited for things like board games and less suited for things like RPGs. Uh, I'm a big fan of using maps too. Edgar mentioned something a while ago about know uh, I I hand draw a lot of maps, even for like online games. I like hand draw maps beforehand and you know scan them in and then you know load those up for for D&D or DCC or RuneQuest or whatever because I I enjoy making maps. Um and I it, it's a it's an artifact of the game that you know I think is it you know goes right back to the game or any role playing's roots. So I definitely I definitely dig it. Um and I definitely use maps. What about you, Don? Are you a maps guy? Maps at the table kind of guy?
0: I don't actually do that, but I usually have a mapper, you know, someone is drawing the map as I describe it. I have my map that I've drawn up I do like to set up staging areas just to say, okay, you you're here. This guy is over here. Because I mean, I think miniatures they're the root of the game. You don't need them, but even in the first AD&D, uh, there was you know this means this for miniatures. You don't you know you can bring them in. You can use them. I like using them, but I'm not like tape measure. Like oh, this spell is 60 feet, and that means it's six inches. And you're, you know, you're not the right distance.
1: That having been said, you know, you got to measure properly for lightning bolts and fireballs, so you see where they go.
0: That's just the dick over the plate, right? Right. Right.
1: Yeah. No. Exactly. That's totally why you do it. You never cast a lightning, or you never cast a, you know, fireball in a dungeon. It's going to set everything on fire. You know, Um, it just makes sense.
3: That's uh, actually uh, one of the reasons I like Thirteenth Age because uh, Theater of the Mind is codified in the rules. Like it's like you know, there's no. It specifically says do not do like measurements of uh, spells or stuff like that. Just wing it.
1: Well, you know, I think a lot of ways that's that's how a lot of us grew up playing. I mean, I didn't grow up using miniatures, you know, because I didn't know what they were used for. You know, I didn't understand other than like just meticulously playing out, you know, move you know, every turn, and I it didn't, and that didn't make sense to me. I mean, I built models of dungeons in my basement, but uh, that's that's the only way it made sense to use miniatures to me. Which uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not a miniature. Hater, like, you know, I, I love painting them. I love, you know, war games and all that. Um, and I like using them, you know, during play. Uh, I just, um, I don't I don't use them to represent tactical movement. Mm. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Don, are, yeah. More yeah. Yeah. are you more of a tactical movement guy?
0: No, it's just to help show where things are. And they'll be like, oh, I want to move my guy over here. Like, no one's like, well, actually, you have to perform the barrel roll and then, Cut. you know, you can only move five steps yeah. if you want to pull your sword out. No.
2: Adam, Adam, though, I think you, you make a really good point in that it's not tactical maps that really are the things I need, but setting maps? I really love setting yeah. maps. Uh, I've been really frustrated lately because I've been running this game and I'm trying to describe this city, and I can describe the city, but I can't draw the city. Uh-huh. Like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold something up here. You see this coastline sure. here? Oh, you just have some yeah. hex paper handy, huh? I do. Um, that's, that's the city. But there's no city there. There's just the coastline because I'm frustrated as to how to draw <laughs> this awesome thing that I have in my mind.
1: <laughs> I understand that. I do understand that. I don't think I've ever, I don't, I don't think lately I've drawn a city, thankfully. All right. So maps, are we good with maps? Do we have more questions, more thoughts about maps? What do you use? Uh, what kind of, what kind of um, uh, maps do you guys use in play? Uh, Edgar, you said you use a dry erase map. Do you have, a, do you have one that's preferred?
2: Well, um, actually I actually have uh, sort of taken possession of uh, a buddy of mine's Chessex Battle Mat. He's got two sizes, the big one and the small one, and he's not gaming a whole lot lately, and he just sort of left them at my house for when we do game. And so I've been using those, and I got a big pack of uh, sort of sharp-tip dry erase markers in various colors, yeah. and I use them for mostly for dungeon maps, but occasionally I'll say, "Okay, here's where you are. Here's where this is. Here's where's that. Here's the roads in between. Which way do you want to go? That kind of thing. Just give people uh, some visual cues to kind of orient their minds to what I'm trying to get across. It's not so much I want to to make it realistic." But I want to give them
1: right an idea. Yeah,
2: things to react toward.
1: I've been doing. Uh, I, I myself, I use the. And, and I'm sorry. I'm going to get down to materials materials conversation real quick because I think with to me it matters when you're talking about uh, like battle mats. Um, I don't like the Chessex ones at all. I'm going to tell you. Uh, my preferred is Crystal Cask. Um, I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. I just like them a, a little. Oh, it's because of the scale. That's what it is. Because the the crystal cast ones they're slightly larger than an inch per square, <laughs> so they accommodate most minis really well. Whereas the uh, Chessex ones mm-hmm. are exactly an inch, so there's no spill, no slop. You know, you can't really like you got to be like precise to fit in the squares. And I know that sounds like a tiny detail, but to me, um, you know, when I'm like fuck it, let's just do stuff anyway. You know, I uh, I prefer the one that gives me a little more fuck it room. Um, but on the back it's got hexes, and uh, I think I use he- maps more for hex crawls these days than anything else, um, seeing as about the last year of my Iron Coast game has been all hex crawl, with some brief forays into a couple of minor dungeons. Um, but so uh, that that's really been... Th- that particular map has been like treating me really well. I did recently invest in a note board. Well, actually, two note boards. Do you guys know about these? When it starts off, it is the size of a note card. It's a normal 3x5 note card. And when you unfold it, nice and big. Got a side with squares of two sizes and hexes of two sizes, and then a blank side. So very nice here. Um, Where the hell did you get that? Noteboard.com, my friend. Comes with a marker, a dry erase marker, and a little pouch that it goes in, which is also the eraser. But apparently you've really got to periodically just erase the hell out of it, like get some of that dry erase board cleaner. Uh-huh. I had been thinking about getting one of these for a long time. And uh, then at UConn, I played in a game with Roy Snyder. Tim Snyder was in there as well. Roy was using a note board and Tim and Roy talked note board like for like 20 minutes, that's, that's an exaggeration. But you know, I was like, all right, screw it, I'm getting it. And I saw um, a coupon on Black Friday for like a good price on two of them, bought two, they're awesome. That's going in my, like, emergency gaming pack, you know? So, nice, nice, portable, cool little device. Recommended to everybody. Don, any thoughts from you on mapping? You don't do it, right? It's just graph paper for your uh, dude, right? No,
0: we no, we actually have this double-sided... I don't know what brand it is. Uh, it's Jeremiah, my friend Jeremiah Lee. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Jeremiah Lee, Ohio. Who, <laughs> um, so, it's like a... Three foot by three foot, like reversible hexes on one side, squares on the other. It comes out, during like God combat. intended.
1: I know. Like, yeah. What about you and visual aids okay. at the table? Well, maps. Okay. Let's start with maps.
3: I am. Um, I, I don't have. I don't usually use a board because I don't have one. Otherwise, I might use it. But you know, I do use a lot of hex maps. Uh, you know, I, I was saying in the first session that I uh, playing on running a star game. And you know, Mistara has some of the best Absolutely. hex maps out there. You know, I uh, I'm not really a fan of like you know writing, you know like drawing a map and like okay you know you go up the corridor and then the map gets expanded. I I I, I try to like, go a little bit looser than that. I feel maps are more for like setting a sense of place than for like sticking to okay. precisely. Yep. So you know you, you get like where your cities are, you get where uh, you know you know what what everything looks like, you know stuff like that. That's how I feel about maps.
1: but And so, like, if you're talking about, like, say, a dungeon map or a location map or something like that, uh, you're, right. you're kind of saying, like, you know, it's good to have, but, you know, you can fudge the details, right?
3: Yes, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, you know. I don't, like, you know, uh, stick to cartography exactly. I, like, uh, you know, if it's more interesting for, for uh, it to be left than right, you know, the, the, the way the dungeon goes, that's the way it'll go, you know, for whatever reason.
2: I couldn't agree yeah, I more. I want to riff on that, man. That's, that's, that's uh, really important. I use maps to help me think about the things that need to come out of my mouth when I'm talking to the people about what they're experiencing. And if I have a good mem- mental image of the thing, it's very, very easy for, to help, for me to help other people understand what I'm seeing. But even if you don't have a really good idea... Um, like, I'm having this problem right now. I'm trying to describe this city... And I know what the levels are, I know what's in those levels, but I don't know exactly where everything is. I don't have buildings, I don't have maps of buildings. But if I can at least give them a description of the place in vague terms, they kind of fill it in. It's like, hey, I'm looking for an antiquarian who knows about this kind of stuff. I said, okay, well let's look around and I can come up with an NPC who could be in that kind of place. And eventually they find the place and we have the interaction. We don't necessarily need to know exactly where it is. Or how it's laid out, right? And good names yeah. really lead you to think about the place in the right way.
3: Maps help, uh, it's it's much better than like a list of places to sort of organize, you know, where stuff, not just where stuff is, but you know, how everything is re- in relation to each other. What kind of things go on at the, at the borders, you know, uh, why? And like you look at the like old goofy maps where like uh, a tundra is right next to a desert, like and it makes you think, why? Why, why Forgotten like Realms? Why?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: Actually, Mistar yeah. is like that too. Like, uh, you, you know, the, the Arabian Desert, Nights Desert is right next to the uh, Vikings,
1: right? The Norse, yeah, yeah. peoples. Well,
3: the Haldanic Kingdom, yeah. or the the Nor- Norwald yeah, something like that. Sense, yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's fun. It's yeah. not the real world, you know.
1: Yes, I do know yeah. quite quite well. <laughs> um, all right, so I think we are we done with maps. We got maps. I'll use map some degree or another at the table John
0: what I really want to talk about is uh, handouts and stuff like yeah, yeah DCC some of those things come with you know something you can show your players um, when I'm <laughs> when I'm prepping my own adventure anything they find the pages out of a journal actually type that out so they can pass it around. They find any book. It's going to actually be there on the table for them to, like, have this tactile experience with.
1: So you you prep all, obviously you're going to prep that all beforehand, so you know, like, you're writing all of these passages, like, beforehand. That's, that's like, way more (laughs) than I'll do.
0: Right, that's, Um, yeah.
1: Mostly mostly because I don't, you know, I don't typically think (laughs) further forward than, there might be something in that book at, 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 at most, you know? Because I'm not a prep-heavy dude, you know? I, I'm looking for answers to the questions that the players ask me rather than to, you know, to feed them information I want them to have, you know what I'm saying? Which I guess is just a different way of looking at it. I mean, I guess for my worry with stuff like what you're talking about is, like, they won't get the clue that I'm dropping them or they'll, uh, you know what I'm saying, they'll get something different out of it than what I intended. And so I try to react more to what my players... You know, are asking for and looking for myself. I, I get what you. I mean, uh, that's why I don't do that stuff. I can, you know, if you make it work for you, that's awesome.
3: <laughs> you mean the, uh, hmm? the 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 classic wasted prep idea, like you you prep this thing and then right. really ignore
2: yeah, it. Yeah,
0: which mm-hmm. uh, which uh, happens uh, that's effort. just the way it is.
2: Let's 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 take this in a direction though. Like, okay, prep is important at the beginning of a session. Like, if you can set the tone and you can give them some things to think about and some things to think with, they're going to take you in a place where you want to go. But you got to set the stage. you got to put these things there so that they can think about them and so they can incorporate them into, hey, here's our characters, these are the things we want to do. Yeah. Does that
1: make sense? Yeah, sure. I mean, um...
3: there's games that do their best to try to prevent that whole idea from happening. So, really? You know, like, uh, a good example is, like, you know, a Robin Law's gumshoe. I don't know if you're familiar with that game, but it has an idea that everything has to have like a. Uh, I'm explaining it poorly, but the just player should always
1: have an opportunity to move it forward. It's really permits. what what Gumshoe boils down to.
3: Yes, yes, that's I And it creates it creates an economy. Well, it's like
2: short story structure. You don't put it in there if it doesn't belong,
1: right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that's it. But that's really more um, the 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 Gumshoe stuff. Is, is more uh, relying on, you know, the players playing the characters that they're playing rather than just, like, you know... There's the joke in, about Call of Cthulhu that, you know, somebody misses one spot or notice whatever check that they're looking for, uh, fails one library use check, and they miss the imp- important piece of information, and the whole story just goes south, you know, because they get stuck. Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the point behind the gumshoe system is... How are these people going about, you know, looking for information? Well, the, you know, the hard-nosed detective is going to go about that a completely different way than, you know, your hapless Lovecraftian, uh, you know, uh, a librarian who's going to damn his soul to hell just for looking in the wrong book. Instead, you know, what you do is, you know, you basically spend opportunity to do that thing, and you're going to get a clue. You just got to tell us how you're going about getting the clue, you right. know? Uh, and and so to a degree, um, and that's I think that's that's really informed my view of of like things like handouts, um, and that's why I don't do that, you know, um, because I, I I guess I try to do the gumshoe system no matter what system I'm doing. I want to trade on people's abilities, you know, and, and the <laughs> yeah. way that they want to play their characters. Don, this isn't criticism.
0: I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty uh, old, and I know that. People do things differently, and I want to get back to the oh, what if they ignore the clue? I don't want to sit here and tell stories, but they ignored this huge clue, and their town they were in was overrun with uh whatever was coming at them, and they had to scoot out of it and leave all their treasure uh, they didn't get the clue oh well, it's not my fault you know yeah. i mean well, I mean has ramifications. It's like actual
1: players you know when it's actual players who don't get the clue, but right. if, like they don't if they fail a, an important check and miss that thing. You know, I think that's a little bit different. But, of course, that's not the conversation
2: that we're having. No, we're no. are having
1: the conversation where they're interacting with your, yeah. you know, your... Yeah.
2: No, what do you nothing. think about uh, substituting a different word? Like, we're sort of talking about it in terms right. of gumshoe yeah, and yeah. clues and that kind of stuff, okay? But what if we think about it in terms of cues? Maybe there's right. a handout. Maybe there's something narrative. Maybe there's something on the map. Maybe there's something else. And you pr- provide enough cues to give them a sense of place and a sense of things that are happening. And if they're that fucking dense that they don't pick <laughs> up on it, then yeah, they're, they're leaving town in a tide of zombies and their treasure's getting left behind, mm-hmm. right? I, I think about this stuff in narrative terms. It's storytelling, right? And, I mean, I'm not a story gamer and I, I actually like crunchy systems with dice and tables and that kind of crap. But I do have a very real sense that we're all sitting at the table because we want to hear about some awesome stuff going on. And we want to be part of the awesome awesome stuff that's going on. And the way that, you know, as a GM, you you enable that to happen. Sometimes it's maps. Sometimes it's really great descriptions. Sometimes it's NPCs that really evoke something about the setting and about the situation. Uh, sometimes it's it's miniatures or Uh, terrain or, you know, whatever else. But all that stuff is about getting that story to happen for those people at the table.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, Don uh, spends an awful lot of time thinking about, you know, uh, like creating that sense of presence um, or immersion, you know, uh, in the game. Uh, And uh, that's, I think for Don, that's one of his big reasons that he actually, uh, that that he produces these handouts and things. Right, Don?
0: Yeah, yeah, because I want people to, I mean, I really want them to be there. You can't, well, you can say put down your cell phone, but instead of, you know, telling them what to do in real life, you can be like, oh, look at this, this is part of this story, and they seem to really, like, yeah, I'm, I work really hard to bring immersion, um, I don't know if minis and maps add it, but I think just some simple things like handouts really, like, bring them back to the table and back into the story, and you know if you give them enough different leads they'll do something like the story isn't about what i'm throwing at them i'm throwing them a choose your own adventure book they can choose anything
3: like a choose your own adventure even though we you know we pretend because you know we're we're humans not a computer that we have limitless options there's there is a certain amount of like uh limits to things you're doing because you, you not not just tropes i mean stuff like uh if your players decide, you know what, we're not going to do take any of your seeds at all. We're just going to, uh, I don't know, go in the ocean, you know, jump in the ocean. Now, you know, uh, it's it's kind of hard, you know, if, if you have not prepared anything aquatic at all, like ever, to mm. accommodate
1: that. And that's ways. that's one. I would not good agree thing. with you at all. <laughs>
3: I
0: See, do that's... not agree with
1: that at all. I think that. Uh, I'm just saying
3: sometimes you're blindsided by, you know, what happens. And, you know, if you, if, if you have if prepared a lot of stuff. Anytime kind of somebody blindsides
1: in. me, I reward um, it. If, uh, if, if you can do that for me, if you can find a thing that, you know, not that I'm not prepared for. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm super prep for every possibility. But um, if you can if you catch me napping, man, more power to you. Awesome. Let's do that. Let's tell that story. That's the choice you guys made sweet let's do it you know um the uh the whole um well that's not what i wrote you know that doesn't fit my narrative you know that is total bs um however i am also part of the school of thought that says players have to deal with the consequences of the actions of their actions and inactions you know so um at the same time while i'm going to say yeah cool let's go have this aquatic adventure i'm also going to tell them oh guess what you know all this awful shit happened because you weren't there to save the day or you didn't deal with this other problem that you knew about, uh, you know, uh, any of that stuff. It really should, that's important too. Just telling a limited scope story I think is kind of boring. Well, I wasn't really saying, you
3: know, you, you, the players have to adhere to your script or, you know, I mean, that's, that's you know, with the dreaded railroading, you know, I, I wasn't really getting at that. I, I guess what I was just, was trying to say is uh an excess of prep like you know if, if i make like a, a hundred handouts and i never have to use them I, i'm probably gonna be a bit <laughs>
0: and now, yeah right? i mean that and that and that would happen like i would be pissed off i'd be like dudes i spent 10 hours getting ready for this four-hour chunk of our lives and you guys can't like count out your freaking experience points um but then I went on a sabbatical, and I went and played with Adam, and I learned the uh, art of whatever it is Adam does.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Was, yeah. it, a
0: temp- was it at a
1: temple yeah. on a mountain? No. Did you do there? <laughs> well, sometimes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, it yeah. wasn't a temple in a there mountain. Was a, there was a boomerang a mountain.
3: If, if I can mention uh, 13th yeah. Age again, there's a, a mechanic in it called uh, One Unique Thing or each player comes up with something that uh, is unique to their character and uh, the idea is they're sort of dictating partially you know the nature of the the uh campaign like you tell them setting info and they they hook into that and they're like uh let's say there's like a legion of dragon knights and their character's a halfling so their one unique thing is they're the one halfling dragon knight and that you know that dictates partially your your setting because you're saying you know uh the characters the player saying there's only one dragon halfling dragon knight and it's me so th- you know that that kind of goes back into the whole uh, agency thing as well yeah.
2: mm-hmm. we well, we sort of got into talking about narrative i think a little bit more than uh, the, yeah. the topic yeah. of the of Subject, the thing
3: yeah.
2: and well, you know
3: distractions what are,
2: right? here's here's a question i have for everybody cuz i think we've all seen it what are some things that you wish you could bring into your game that either you can't pull off or you can't afford or otherwise can't get them in there? And for me, I keep seeing all these, like, Kickstarters for, like, terrain, uh, like dungeon terrain, like all these miniature miniature things that are really, really evocative in in various ways. And I'm just like, that'd be kind of cool to have, but A, I can't afford it. B, where the hell would I put it? Yeah. And C, I don't have a table big enough to put that out on for all the people who'd come over to my house to, to work with it. So uh, I mean, are obviously there, are we're there talking things about things like, like dwarven visi- forge, and things. there's also
1: uh, there's legendary terrain. Yeah, um, those uh, I yeah, those would be awesome. I'm in the same boat as you, man. Um, but at the same time, like. There's they're kind of inflexible, you know. It, it feels to me like mm-hmm. like you're stuck with this particular floor plan. Andrew's the only guy here who probably ever did the four, who did fourth <laughs> edition, other than myself, right? Um, I know you guys probably skipped that one. Yes. Yeah, um, in fourth yes. edition, when you look at like the later stuff they put out there after their first like adventure path, all of the maps look conspicuously mm-hmm. similar because they just kept reusing the same terrain tiles the, uh... over and over again. So they it's got yes. They even had a book of terrain tiles. Well, I've tiles, got a couple yeah. of the box sets of terrain tiles, like, right here. Like, oh, look, this is the dungeon. You know, this is their set of dungeon tiles for the dungeon. And it's, they're nice. They're great. They look good. Um, I used these for, like, the duration of my last 4E campaign. They're cool. I wanted to use them in Axe, but then I was like, oh, I can't make the Lichway with this. I will not bring those. I can't, you know, <laughs> all these classic dungeons that I wanted to do in my Axe game, I just couldn't do them. I won't, I'm not going to bring it. And then I realized, wait a minute, there's all kinds of stuff I can't do with this. So, um, and so many things just started looking the same. I just had to say, no, I'm done. Let's back away. This doesn't even make sense.
2: Well, Adam, it sounds to me kind of like you're going with, uh, that's always kind of a competition. It's like when you put it in writing, when you, when you, dr- when you show a picture, when you throw out the terrain you lose the narrative thread and you lose that flexibility that you might otherwise have.
1: I think so. I mean, when you're drawing a map, then you, you do have flexibility. Like, both you and Andrew have said, like, you can fudge a map. You know, you can say, oh, well, that secret door is over here instead of over there. A little while ago, I was running uh, In Search of the Unknown, and I, uh, there's, there's a really famous portcullis trap in there, and I forgot where it goes. And so I put it in the wrong place, and I had to make it make sense. <laughs> so I did make it make sense, and now my problem is just keeping it consistent. You you do have that flexibility with well, with a, uh... you know a drawn map, whereas with something like Dwarven Forge, <laughs> screwed, dude. I mean, it's just all one big place. And then how would you handle something like the teleporter room from In Search of the Unknown? Like you have to like disassemble your whole fucking thing just to let them know that they're not in the same place. You know, that's kind of a pain.
3: That's a danger with any uh, any kind of visual thing though, because you you set the visual for that thing. You know. Yeah. Like if you have a mini, that's that's what that guy looks like now, you know. That, whereas with you know the imagination, theater of the imagination, you know, everybody could have their own distinct uh, interpretation of what so and so looks like.
2: Do you think we're being old farts though? I mean, think about this: you take something like Dwarven Forge, you lay it out on a table, you bring a bunch of kids between the ages of eight and 13 oh yeah, into that room, and you show them that shit. No, you're you're and, you know, absolutely
1: correct. You're you're absolutely well, correct. Um, that stuff is great for getting stuff, getting folks into gaming. I mean. You, you know, if you whip out, like, Mold Bay Cook and Dwarven Forge and Minis, fucking anybody can play that shit and have a great time, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Damn it. You're you're right about that. I just don't think... I feel like they're probably less useful in an ongoing campaign. For me, at least. Because they don't do
0: the same Yeah. Thing. No, they're awesome, no, but not practical. Criticizing right. something isn't
1: yeah. condemning it, so... You're, you're right. Yeah. So what do you yeah. think about... Okay, so we, we talked yeah. a lot about... Um, uh, visual aids in the form of maps and in the form of handouts. Um, and I think like one of the one of the um, games that I think is most known for its exceptionally uh, ornate handouts is uh, is Call of Cthulhu. Uh, we mentioned that earlier. One of the things they did a lot, in addition to like uh, here's the note, is they they provided they provided typically pictures of everybody, you know, all the major players in a in a or not players, but you know, like all of the characters in a in a plot line so that the characters the players have something to latch on to with that and much like andrew said like well that mini is that guy like that helped them visualize that is that uh is it is it more useful to have a um a picture reference than to have a uh like you know like a, uh just a general description um i tend to think it can be but i don't always have as many pictures on hand that i think work
3: you know um I guess this is, uh, you know, about yeah, art as
1: absolutely.
3: well, right? Yeah. I'm a big fan of using, like, all kinds of art in my gaming. Uh, in fact, a lot of some of my ideas come from, you know, looking at a piece mm-hmm. of art. You know, some drawing I found on Tumblr or something. And it's like, I'll have to turn that into a character in yeah, you know, my I, game.
1: I do that a lot as well, you know,
3: yeah. Uh, and I think the tone of your art, like... Dungeon Call Classics does it very well. Like, uh, th- you know, uh, Doug Kovacs' style is very uh, good at bringing across what that game wants. Well, I wouldn't even limit to it to,
1: to Doug. Um, uh, Stefan Pogue as well uh, is fantastically evocative yeah. of that Total style. Of Pogue, um, yeah. And Pete Mullen, man. Peter Mullen's stuff just blows me away. Yeah. Uh, I Man, yeah. But you're right. I think that the use of an art, an uh, art, eh. Uh, but in a, in a in a gaming product yes does fantastic things but i, I don't think that's always stuff that you can relate to the gaming table you know if i look at you know pictures in dcc i'm going to find a lot of stuff that you know this looks great in the book i'm not necessarily going to be able to use that in my game other than you know how far, how far corrupted the is the tablet how corrupted is the wizard you know that's yeah. about it but um, I, I don't know. I don't think I use pictures as well as I could in games. I definitely use them for inspiration when I'm writing, not necessarily at the at the table as much.
2: Edgar? I've never played Call of Cthulhu, but I, I, I like the idea of having, like, a dossier mm-hmm. where you have a picture of somebody, you have some personal items, you have some things about them, because you can kind of visualize them. But at the same time, you you have other opportunities. You can do the same thing if you locate in your description, visual cues that, that that recall things that you'd see in a picture. So you don't, sure. you know, like in Call of Cthulhu, I imagine you don't just sort of show up, you know, like catalog pictures of random people from JCPenney. They're particular people who look a particular way, and they have almost uh, like a caricature of the sort of thing that you're trying to evoke, right? Sure, yeah. And I think you can do the same thing. I think I think you can do the same thing. I'm not saying it's optimal to do the same thing without the, the visual cue. Mm-hmm. But the visual cue can certainly contribute to it in, in, in ways that are useful.
3: Yeah, uh, if I can jump in here for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say I'm running a superhero game, right? And the art I show you is all like Jack Kirby art. You're going to play a different way than if I showed you a bunch of Frank. Yeah, no art, Absolutely.
1: Right? Well, at least if you know anything about comics, yeah.
3: Right. But even then, because the way it looks is so yeah. different. Like, I could show you a, a drawing of the same character done by a, a, like three different artists.
1: Different like, feeling, like, yeah. A different completely.
2: interpretation from... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, when you look at something like, uh, you know, like uh, Warhammer Fantasy or Dark Heresy or something like that, you get a very different feel than with D&D. And, and you kn-
3: even
1: like with traveling, yeah, in the same genre, mm-hmm. yeah. I would agree. So, uh, what is, is there? Are there any game products that you guys think like hit the nail on the head for like visual aid stuff? Like that you loved it, you want to see more stuff like that, um, or you know something that's a total callback to you? That's like this is this is the benchmark for like really solid product. Right
3: here, the guide to Glorantha.
1: Oh my god! It's, that, it's oh. you know, yeah.
3: It's loaded with like maps and that, like uh, let me get on the plates here. There's there's a color plates of like uh, it shows you exactly what a, a culture is supposed to look like. You know the yeah. the dragon newts. You know, and it's just like it's just you know a giant. Uh, you can kill someone with this book. Right.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that book. just got kicked a little while ago, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I think uh, I think Numenera did a pretty uh, good job of that. You think so? Well, I mean, for what they were going for. I'm not saying it's necessarily a game that I want to I, play.
1: I, I don't feel that at all. I don't feel like they uh, they did a good job of matching what they were trying to produce at all. I think instead, like like I I, I disagree with you on that. I'll tell you what I think did okay. did a great job of of hitting the nail on the head. And this is going back to 1984, paranoia. Uh, paranoia first edition box set is phenomenal. Uh, filled with a lot. Of, I mean, it's it 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 immerses you, you know, as you're reading it, um, and and the handouts that are, that you're given, uh, you know, to play the game, you know, uh, are are all tongue in cheek, following that same Orwellian tongue in cheek kind of uh, a feel. Um, that does a great job of getting across the idea with the stuff that's actually being used in play. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I'll go you one uh-huh. more Munchkin. <laughs>
1: Well, you're talking—you're talking the RPG, or what are you talking? Uh,
2: no, Munch, Munchkin, the—the—the—you the, know—the card game.
1: Like they—they they totally nailed that stuff. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, but that's a card game. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't count. There's no role playing in card games. <laughs> I don't know. Done. <laughs> I kind of—I was
3: partially. I wanted one of the things I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about Magic: The Gathering, and that has a very strong visual element that you know comes. You know, they could they could just have the cards without the art on them, but, you know, the, the art is very much an element there. You know, people, like, lo- love the art. They follow the art. It, and it, it produces such a sense of place, you know, the, the basic lands, right? Yeah. They, they're just, you know, these little things here. and But they tell you so much about the setting of the, the expansions because they show you, like, this like, art of what it looks like. And you, you, you see these things as you, you play all the time. And it just keep reinforcing what the setting of it is. Even though you know, it's not a role-playing game, you're not, not right. role-playing.
2: I'm going to name two publishers who I think really do a good job of producing visual things that evoke what their setting is all about. Okay. I think one of them is James Rogge with Lamentations of the Flame Princess and the things that are associated with that particular press. I think they have very strong visual... And artistic elements that evoke the setting, but here's one I'm going to throw out there that you may sort of blink at, but I think you may agree is uh, the stuff that Venger Satanis is putting. I don't out. know. I won't. I you know, no idea. Island of the Purple Putrescence, and I mean it's it's yeah. it's it's sleazy it's sleazy pulp stuff. But you know it's sleazy pulp stuff. You can look at the cover and you know it's sleazy pulp stuff. And it's not necessarily something I want to pursue but it definitely evokes a particular kind of uh, feel Yeah, in the same way that an album cover does, you know?
1: I would hope. I mean, I'd like to think that the cover of somebody's product tells you (laughs) enough about it that you'd want to buy it or not, but I think that can be difficult, you know? Um, Don's been really quiet here. I feel like he's got something he wants to say.
0: There were uh things we didn't really touch on, but I don't think we need to at this point well if
1: you if you want to touch on them uh, I think we can do it I think we got a little few more minutes you know, there's
0: the whole music thing um, if you're running the uh, horror type game you know do you turn the lights down do you light some candles I've done it it works sometimes it's a pain in the ass to read your notes but it kind of you know things that set the mood but that's not really props we're kind of you know. There's the immersion umbrella, as I call it, and then there, are, you know, there are props. There's mood. All these things we don't really have to mix into this conversation.
1: Uh, Barrow Maze complete. Uh, the uh, it was on, and it was an Indiegogo campaign a little while ago for basically taking both of the volumes of Barrow Maze, putting them in one volume, and uh, you you had the option of getting really badass otherworld miniatures, miniatures mm-hmm. for it. You know. Um, yes. that you know, hit the highlights of creatures. Those, uh, and that's, Greek... that's actually like, it, it, that's kind of like dead on what we're talking about because that's a guy, you know, he's, he's putting out this thing, he's creating miniatures for play with the thing he's coming up with. By the same token... Um, Zach... Well, Lesser Gnome did that exactly. too. Zach Glazer and uh, Lesser mm-hmm. Gnome because they had the Whisper and Venom, they had the yeah. Death and Taxes. Is that the last one? And, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I think they got another one coming up soon. Uh, but those guys, you know, that's what they're doing. They're kicking out, you know, like, it's, 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 you're not just getting a game, you're getting maps, you're getting minis, you're getting
2: all that shit. So you yeah. can have it's a heavy like a box. Box. monster cards, yeah. even. Yeah,
0: yeah, have the box. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have the box. I do. Yeah, me too.
2: <laughs> I got another box. It's <laughs> heavy. Well, See, and you guys yeah. didn't even mention that. Yeah, that's true. Think about that's yeah. perfect stuff. Well, Food you content. know, you get
0: drinking, yeah. you get drinking, and all. It's
2: because we're idiots drinking and spinning and And now we're at
0: now we're at an hour and ten minutes
1: all right but that's just okay well yeah i think we're 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 done here folks thanks for everybody for joining us um andrew moss not alex moss andrew moss uh who's ethnically canadian (laughs) uh reverend dr edgar johnson um, who uh, whose ongoing work uh, in on the field of uh, role playing uh, uh, or like research and role playing communication and online stuff? Um, I know a bunch of us participated in his uh, his surveys a little while ago. That stuff's still coming, right, Edgar? You got All it, right. man.
2: I got a. I'm actually I actually got a, a paper I'm developing and a book proposal I'm developing right now.
1: Thanks a lot, guys. Um, and we'll see you in two weeks that's what our topic is going to be, board games uh, or non-role-playing games with role-playing elements. And thanks a lot, folks. Yes, Have a wonderful guys. evening, and we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to support Drinks Been Run, pick up a t-shirt at teespring.com dsrlogo01.